Nazi. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and, with, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do, the, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man who's going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the road, same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So, too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan has travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, poured an oil and wine. He put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two dirham and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of those thee do you think was a neighbor to the man? who fell in the hands of the robbers. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him, Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Please keep your Bibles open. Thank you very, very much, uh, Abigail. Now, the children have got their own little story time behind the screen. So, um, IT and Rachel uh, and Debbie. Uh, Three children behind the screen in one time is enough. And the rest of us have got a question to ask as we look at that Bible story. Here's the question. Will reading the Bible make you a better person? Will reading the Bible make you a better person? That's an issue that is raised by this person who went and asked Jesus this question. And let me tell you, he has a really impressive CV if you look at what he's like in chapter 10 and verse 25. You will see that he's a man who doesn't just simply read the law. He is an expert in the law. And Jesus is a public figure. He is well-recognized, highly respected. And uh, hello, Isabel. Uh, There through there. And Jesus is a highly respected person. And yet here is a man who has the confidence to take him on, to test him. And um, I'll have a seat next to George. And it's page 1041. So... Here's this expert, 
He doesn't just simply read the Bible. He is an expert in it. He is not just simply someone who's uh, happy to instruct himself. Why? He'll even go up to Jesus and uh, take him on as well. And it seems that really the question he asks is a person who thinks deeply. He says uh, in uh, uh, verse uh, 25, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That is a big question. What must I do to get to heaven? And it is a question that you would ask if you were a serious thinking person. And here is a person who clearly is. And maybe behind this question is a big question, which is, how can I be sure that I've done enough? If, if the question is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I guess the question behind it is, so how do I know if I've done enough to tick that box? What's the pass mark for me to know that now I've got eternal life for sure? That's the issue that we're going to be thinking about as we look at this passage tonight. And just to confuse you, we're going to uh, look at, uh, say three things about it. First is, you cannot keep the law, because this man wants to keep the law, but uh, you cannot keep the law. Hi, Tony. Uh, uh, grab a, a seat there. Um, we're starting the story of the Good Samaritan, and you've got uh, any number of Bibles coming your way to help you to do it with us. So, yeah, just to make it nice and confusing for you, here are my three headings. First, I'm going to say you can't keep the law. Second, I'm going to say, you have kept the law. And the third thing I'm going to say is, now you can keep the law. That doesn't make any sense to you, does it? I'll tell you what, it, what I mean. Remember that after our little study, you can say whatever you want, ask questions. If I'm still not clear, you can nail me then. But the first uh, heading is, you can't keep the law. See, knowing the law is one thing, but doing it is something different. That comes across in the conversation Jesus has with this man. He says, teacher, what must I do to inherit life in verse 25? And Jesus says, well, tell me. And he knows the answer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. It is the classic answer if you know the Bible. Every Jewish person says this prayer every single day. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and this little prayer in the Jewish world is called the Shema because the first word to hear, the Jewish word is, the Hebrew word is Shema. So this is the big, big understanding that they had about what they had to do. They were to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, strength, and love their neighbor as themselves. And Jesus says, there you go. Why don't you have a try? Uh, more to the point, verse 28, you have answered correctly, Jesus said, do this and you will live. And the man wants to justify himself. In other words, 
he wants to really make the point, Jesus, I'm not an idiot. I know what I have to do. I just need to know when I can stop doing it because for me to know that I've got to love my neighbor, well, draw the boundary line around my neighbors. How many of these neighbors have I got to love? Who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells a story about the man who was caught up amongst robbers and how someone else came and helped him. And the shortcut answer is, your neighbor is every Tom, Dick, and Harry that needs help. At which point you're sunk, aren't you? Because you're never going to love every Tom, Dick, and Harry that needs help. So knowing the law is one thing, doing it is another. You see that with the two people who come down the road. Now this bloke is a real emergency case. It says they left him half dead at the end of verse 30. You could actually say they left him four dead. That's the next thing that's coming up for him. So he really is in a bad way. And you begin to have your heart beat faster when you read verse 31 because fear. Look, it so happens that there's a priest going down the same road and he's going to come up with this injured man. You would almost say, what a fortunate man that it should be on this day when the priest is coming and here's a man who knows the Bible backwards. Hey, you're going to be all right. And then your jaw drops because the priest walks on the other side of the road and does nothing. Well, look, everybody can have a bad day. And coming up the road next is a Levite, who's also very clued up about the Bible, so, well, the other guy might have just had other things on his mind, but at least we've got someone who's also going to be in a good position to help. Well, he's had the same Bible training, but he comes up with the same non-activity when he comes to help. He, too, walks by on the other side. So knowing the Bible doesn't mean that they've done the Bible. In the Bible, when two men come together and are in agreement, then you can see what they're telling us is true. And here you've got two men coming to tell us that you can know the Bible, but that doesn't mean you will do the Bible. And so they're sunk. But then along comes the Samaritan. Now, Samaritans are not universally popular amongst Jewish people. They hate them with a passion. And yet, look, when you see what the Samaritan does, he does everything for this man at his own expense. So the first thing he does in verse 34 is he bandaged his wounds. Now my guess is he probably had to rip up his own clothes to get the bandages. Uh, we might have first aid kits in our car. I'm not sure that he would have traveled with one. He would have needed to essentially 
damage his own uh, uh, property in order to take this kind of care. Similarly, he used up his own oil and his own wine, which he had had for himself, in order to help the man with his injuries. Wine, because it's alcohol, would have been a good little cleanser of the wounds. And the oil is pain relief. Next, he has to walk, because the guy is now riding his donkey. And then when he gets to the place where ultimately this man is going to have his rehab, he pays for those who can do the conversions, they tell us two denarii would buy you two months of care. Which actually tells you how badly he injured he was, if he's going to take that long to recover. But look, even if he takes longer, you will see in verse 35 at the end, it's a blank check. I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you might have. Get the point? It's not just every Tom, Dick and Harry, but it's absolutely everything for every Tom, Dick and Harry to bring them back into the road to life. That is how we are to keep the law according to Jesus. And if you've got to keep the law to this extent, in order that you might inherit eternal life, which is the original question, then you've got to say, well, who's going to qualify ever? You can't keep the law. But actually, you have kept the law if you are in Jesus Christ. Let me explain. The key to understand this story is that Jesus is the good Samaritan. He is actually walking down the same road from Jerusalem to Jericho. He too is a man who is going to be hated even more than the Samaritan because when he gets to the end of the road, which is not Jericho but Jerusalem, he is going to be killed very shortly. And yet, he is the one man in the universe who has ever managed verse 27. The only man who has ever loved the Lord his God with all his heart, mind, soul, strength, and who has loved his neighbor as himself. His one ambition in life was to love God with everything he had. Whatever the Father wanted him to do, he would do, even to go to a cross. And he loved every Tom, Dick, and Harry that he met along the way, doing everything they needed to come off the road to death, to turn once more back to life. Remember the dad who went up with his little 12-year-old girl dying at home too late on the way she died and Jesus got to the house and brought her back to life going out of his way in order to do everything and then after he brought her back to life he says look make sure she has something to eat in other words just absolute 
every detail covered. And then, just before that, he went to another country, and there was a man who was so absolutely mad, he was demon-possessed, and Jesus took the demons out of him. And it says lovely at the end, and he was there, sitting at Jesus' feet, clothed and in his right mind, perfectly restored back to everything he needed to get back into life again. Now, Jesus is the perfect one who did verse 27. And when he died on the cross, what he did was to die in our place for all the loveless crossing by on the other side of the road kind of ways that we have lived and wonderfully to pass on his perfect neighbor-loving track record onto us. Where Jesus cried and died on the cross, it was two-way traffic. Our sins, our unloving, neighbor-ignoring ways were paid for by him and his perfect law-keeping, loving his neighbor track record is given to us. And we therefore have now the beginnings of an opportunity to love God because that's how he has loved us. When someone has done 27, verse 27, on your behalf, we have every reason to love that person. So when we say we love God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and strength, you might just have in mind the picture of the Good Samaritan. Because the God we love is the God who walked the road to Jerusalem and was killed when he got there so that his perfect law-keeping could be put to us. When we see God in that way and ourselves, not as great Bible-believing, understanding giants, but people who are pretty loveless towards others, even though we know our Bibles, and we see ourselves in that light, then we begin to understand what a great heart of love God has for us. Even for those who don't have much love in ourselves. So because he kept these commandments, you could say we have kept them if we are in him. And trust him and are honest enough to say, hey, we're pretty rubbish God lovers. We're pretty rubbish neighbor lovers but as we look to him he says I have kept the law on your behalf and so now we can go and love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul and strength and love our neighbors as ourselves let's go back to that good Samaritan picture and see how Jesus closes in verse 37 by saying, Go 
and do likewise. Now this man's arrogance so in that sense when Jesus tells him that he is being set up to fail but might it be just possible that we could start loving every Tom, Dick and Harry more than we do? What, what might make it possible for us to love people who are perfect strangers but maybe in different ways injured on the side of the road? What might make us do something about it if we're in a situation like that. Shall I tell you? The only person in the world who will go and help that injured man is a person who has been injured themselves and been helped back to life. Do you think that that man who's been hurt on the side of the road once he's been nursed back to health again, will ever be able to walk past another person who's hurt? The answer is no. Not after what's been done for them. And that is the key to us loving God and loving our neighbor. When we actually understand that God has loved us in this way and we see God's love for us as the person who comes to us in our helplessness, in our desperate, sinful stench and need. And we see ourselves on the receiving end of his love. Then what happens is we begin to love others because what happens is this. When we see the next injured person on the road with their life ebbing away from them, we don't just simply think, ah, oh, now the law wants me to do something about this, doesn't it? Because frankly, if your motivation is a rule book, you will be able to find some reason why that rule doesn't apply to you at that particular moment in your day. You'll find a way out of it. But if you see someone, a casualty of life, on the side of the road and you think, hey, let me picture for a moment what's been done for me. Then you have a new heart to help. That makes sense? So, to sum up, if you're someone who's maybe just kind of thinking through Christian things and you're a bit new to all this, Please, please, please don't think that you come into a church service, we teach you what the Bible says, and then you've got to go and do what the Bible says. That's not what this is about. What we want to do when you come here is to make you feel the intense, passionate love that God has for you in the way that he comes to rescue and if you want that love to grow in your life, I'll tell you what might help. Like sucking a sweet. Keep in your mouth, well, keep in your mind the fact that God loves you even though you may be a loveless person yourself and may find yourself thinking that you're pretty selfish, which I think all of us catch ourselves thinking about ourselves and evaluating ourselves in that way. Well, if 
you begin to understand that that's what you're like. And you understand yet that God's great love comes in this way for you. Then keep that thought going in your mind and you will understand something of God's great love growing in your heart. And a love for Him will grow in your heart as well. Maybe you're someone who's used to church. You've gone to lots of churches and these things are not new to you. This is the most familiar story you've ever come across. Everybody's heard about it. What has this got to say to you? Well, you might think you're on the side of the Bible, but just be honest and replay in your mind all those times when you have been loveless towards people who have needed more help that you might have been able to give. And then realize what an amazing God this is. Not to pat yourself on the back for knowing so much, but better still, to thank God for keeping the law on your behalf because you don't keep the law that you know. And at the same time, as you thank Him for keeping the law, for forgiving you for the times you haven't, to nonetheless understand that He has loved you even when we've failed to take the law seriously ourselves. Or it may be that you're someone who's a genuine believer and you say, hey, I know that God loves me and I want to remember the fact that God loves me. You know what God will do to help you this week? He has a wonderful way of helping us to remember that he loves us. And what he'll do is he'll put in front of you, across your path, somebody in need who will need your love. And as he does that, you have a choice. Either you can say, now what was that law I learnt on Sunday? Or you might say, what was that love I learnt about on Sunday? The love of God coming to me when I'm helpless. And as we begin to, if you like, replay that picture with this particular need in mind, but remembering how much we've been helped, at that point, we'll be able to do what Jesus says in verse 37, which is go and do likewise. Because the way God has loved you now gives you the opportunity to love your neighbor as yourself. I'll stop there and uh, take any questions that you might have, comments that you might like to make.